Hey, welcome to today's episode of More Than Bread. I I thought about this every time another episode drops, and you hear it every time you tune in, but it bears repeating. We need more than bread to thrive. The, The stuff we put in our mouths, it just ain't enough. The stuff we buy to make life a bit more comfortable and secure won't do it either. When Jesus said, I came that your joy might be full and even overflowing, he tied that joy to the word of God. We need more than bread. We need every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when the people of God consume the word of God, inspired by the spirit of God, I'm going to tell you, there will be some thriving, living, taking place. So welcome to episode number 126. I'm Dan, your host, your Bible reader, and longtime consumer of the word. In this chapter of More Than Bread, we're hanging out in the Psalms. I've been calling it Top 40 Psalms. And yes, it's my top 40 Though I'll say it again, if you have a favorite, let me know. Just send an email to dan at calvarysc.org or text to 814-235-9615. I'm not promising, but I'll do my best to fit it in. I fit in two psalms already. You know, the psalms were written throughout the entire period of Old Testament history, from the days of Moses, that's Psalm 90, to the exile nearly a thousand years later, Psalm 137. Psalms were collected over time and and put into a book that could be used individually and corporately. So as the people of God, we are encouraged to learn the songs of the past and to sing a new song. In every sense of the word, the Psalms are divinely inspired, a divinely inspired prayer book or, or even hymn book. There are psalms found in other parts of the Old Testament. For example, Exodus 15 contains a psalm, Judges 5 contains a psalm. But those are typically tied to a specific historical event in God's story. The the Psalms in the book of Psalms are intentionally collected for every generation, in a sense, by every generation of worshiper and and prayer. They're, They're for us all. John Calvin said that any emotion a human being has ever felt can be found in the Psalms. So no matter what we face or how we feel, it's there. You you can find a Psalm that speaks to your heart and from your situation speaks to God. But we are also invited to speak and sing and pray these psalms corporately, whether you currently feel that emotion or not, regardless of your personal place. We, we join with others. Sometimes we join with others in their space to encourage them, to walk with them. So with all that as an intro, let's read Psalm 46. That's where we're at. I'll be reading from the New International Version. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, and God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. This Lord, the Lord Almighty, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. He says, be still. This this verse, my words, was, was such an important verse to us over the course of the last few years. He says, be still. And those words, be still, doesn't necessarily just mean quiet. It means stop striving. Literally, it means let your hands grow slack. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. What a great psalm. This psalm is thought to have been written during a time of political unrest and potential war against Jerusalem. It's attributed to the sons of Korah, who were part of a group responsible for the music and the worship in the temple. And so the psalm reflects a bit of the turmoil and uncertainty of the time, but woven through is this profound trust and a call to trust in God's God's power and protection. The psalm's beginning just trumpets this clarion call to trust with the words, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And these, these words set the tone for the entire psalm, even in the midst of the mess, the chaos and confusion, the, the enemies all around us. God is our steadfast and reliable refuge. But, but he's not just an impersonal refuge, right? He desires a personal relationship with each of us. He is a personal God. That's one of the things I love about Psalm 46. Let, let me ask you, what do you think? What do you imagine? What do you picture when people talk about having a personal relationship with God? That, that's one way that evangelicals love to describe our faith. We say we, we have a personal relationship with God. If you grew up in the kind of churches that I grew up in, those four words slip off our tongues with ease. It, it's not about religion, we proclaim. It's about relationship, a personal relationship with God. Becoming a Christian is all about having a personal relationship with God. And and to be honest, in a lot of ways, I kind of like that description. We were made for relationship, and we were made for God. But have you ever stopped to consider how odd that phrase, that invitation sounds? Would you like to have a personal relationship with God? A few years ago, three evangelical pastors sat down at a table with eight mainline pastors. We were getting together to discuss our differences and what we could do to more effectively unite together for Christ. And and we were throwing out areas of difference that we might discuss. And one pastor looked at me, a man whom I have no doubt loved God and followed Christ. And, and he said to me, one of the things I need to understand is what in the world you even mean when you talk about having a personal relationship with God. Now, I'm not talking about experiencing divinity or the whispers of the divine in our hearts, traces of a transcendent God and the mysterious narrative of the stars. I'm talking about knowing God. I'm talking about the line from this psalm, Psalm 4610, where where God himself is being quoted when he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. What does it mean to know God? What do we mean when we talk about a personal relationship with God? Well, there are a lot of different levels of relationship, right? Sometimes when we talk about knowing someone, what we really mean is we know about them, like we know a a character or a celebrity. Is that how you know God? Is God a character? For example, you might ask, do I know Frodo? Well, of course I know Frodo. Read the book, watched the movie. I know Frodo. Or how about Kanye West? Sure, I know Kanye. Everybody knows Kanye. Well, We qualify our answer. I know who he is. I know about him. He doesn't know me. This type of relationship is is one-sided. It's it's book knowledge, knowing about rather than knowing. Does that describe your relationship with God? I know about him like a character in a book. Another level of relationship is the acquaintance. Is, Is God an acquaintance? For example, I know Coach Franklin. 
coach of Penn State football team. I I don't just know about him. I know him. I've eaten at his house, flown in multiple planes with him, did a Bible study with he and some friends. Some of you may be interested to know that I, I know John Piper, Pastor John Piper, for many years. I, I don't just know about him. I, I know him. I fasted and prayed with him, talked to him for hours. But my guess is that if you walked up to either guy, Coach Franklin or John Piper, and said, hey, Dan Nold's my pastor. He wanted me to say hi. They'd look at you and say, Dan who? <laughs> Now, maybe if you took another 15 minutes to explain who I am, they might say, oh, yeah, 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 I, I vaguely remember him. I don't really know him. He's more of an acquaintance. This type of relationship is superficial. It's, it's a bit more than knowing about, but it's not really knowing. But, but then there's what the Old Testament writers called yada, Y-A-D-A, yada. It's a Hebrew word for know. And in many contexts, it, it speaks of intimacy. It's a, it's a deep, deep knowing, an experiential knowing, a, a heart knowing, not just a head knowing. In fact, yada is the Hebrew word of choice for sex. When it says, so Abraham knew Sarah, it means he really, really knew her, knew her in the biblical sense. See, our problem is that we've trained our brains to walk directly from the word intimacy to the word sex, but but the heart of yada is simply a knowing, a deep knowing and being known. It, it's a nearness, an experiential familiarity that breeds friendship. That's the essence of yada. So which one best describes how I know God? A character in a book, not even sure he's real? Or is God an acquaintance? I kind of know him, but not well. Or do I have a yada relationship? You know, when I when I think of the moments of this kind of yada that I've experienced over the course of my life, I, I remember things like a day when our family played touch football in the park across the street from where our kids grew up. Nobody was arguing over ro- rules or who won. We were just laughing and playing. I, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, getting the kids up and going across the street to that same park and lying under the stars to watch a meteor shower. I remember an evening in college when a bunch of us football players got together in one of our apartments and had a communion service. And all sorts of words and memories come to mind when I think of knowing Lynn, our our first water fight, the birth of our kids, long drives on my day off, times when she's prayed for me. Over and over again, God has showed me how much Lynn's prayers for me matter to him. I think of vacations and even walking through tough times together. You know, hard times, times of uncertainty and chaos. When we walk through those times together, they're often some of our most knowing times. But what does it look like to have that kind of relationship, a yada relationship with God? How can we know God? What what is a relationship with God supposed to look like? Well, in Psalm 4610, it looks like this. Be still and know that I am God. Those aren't my words. Those are his words. Be still and know that I am God. So let me start with what the writer of Psalm 46 knew about God. The psalmist writes in verses 1 through 3, God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Almighty Creator God is our refuge and our strength. The one who created the mountains will not be moved when the mountains tremble. The one who created the seas will not be anxious when the seas roar. The word used here for God is Elohim. It's it's the God above all gods. Often it was used in reference to God as creator, almighty creator God. 
In Psalm 19, the songwriter sings, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. You know, at, at night, sometimes I, I go out on the deck of our cabin up here, you know, in, in the, the hills above Happy Valley, and, and I look up at the stars, oh my goodness, the skies proclaim the hand of creator God. I've read that when I stand on the deck at the very most, I can distinguish a few thousand Seven, seven at the most, 7,000 stars, and they fill my heart with the glory of God. But a few years ago, thanks to the Hubble Space Telescope, scientists realized they had been way underestimating the number of, the, of stars in the universe. In fact, by a factor of 10, I can only see 7,000 or so, but 100 billion stars shine in an average galaxy, and the Hubble discovered that we're undercounting galaxies. Now now they're guessing it's maybe closer to 2 trillion galaxies with 100 billion stars. That's something like 20 billion trillion, <laughs> literally more than every grain of sand on every shore of every river, lake, and ocean. Elohim, Almighty God, creator of the heavens and earth, is our strong refuge, our help in trouble, and our unwavering certainty. This psalm is written from the heart of someone who's gone through or is going through one of those times when it seems like the earth you stand on is being pulled out from under your feet. I mean, what do you do when the earth gives way and the mountains tremble? What do you do when the waters roar over your head? You choose a refuge that's more solid than the ground you walk on, more unmovable than the mountains you could climb. You choose a refuge that is not only safe, but big enough to let you live because if a refuge is too small, it becomes a prison. And God says, I, the everywhere present God, will be your strong refuge. Wherever you go, I'll be there. Your strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And there will be trouble. Listen, even if God is my refuge, I'll go through times of trouble. The refuge God offers is not a problem-free zone. It's not a virus-free zone or a racial injustice-free zone. It's not a job-loss-free zone. It's not a divorce-free zone. You will have trouble. But if the Almighty Creator who hung the stars and dug out the seas and shaped the mountains is our strong refuge, then, my goodness, what should we fear? Erwin McManus tells a story of a time early in his life when he had just accepted the call to be the pastor at a little church in the inner city of Dallas, Texas. Actually, it wasn't even a church. It was just a few people who wanted to become a church. They were meeting in someone's apartment in a rough, scary section of Dallas, and and it was Erwin's Erwin's first night to meet with them, and he got lost in this inner city area. This was before smartphones. He was afraid, and the more he drove, the more lost he became, the more scared he was, until finally he pulled his car over to the side of the road, and he called out to God, God, I'm afraid. I don't think I can pastor these people. There's too much fear. Help me. Erwin was waiting for God to bring to mind a verse of encouragement, something like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or fear not, for I am with you, or yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Instead, what verse did God bring to mind? Philippians 1, 20 through 21, where Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. God's message to Erwin was not, don't be afraid, I'll keep you from death. It was, don't be afraid in the face of death. Suffering is coming. The loss of control is coming. You may even die, but don't be afraid because do you understand the strong refuge of God goes beyond death? He is our refuge and our strength. He is our joy. 
Listen to verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Oh, my goodness, how much we need those words in our world today. God is in our midst. He's ever-present. The Lord of hosts is with us. God is in our midst. The Elohim, almighty creator, God, the nations rage. The kingdoms totter. His voice melts the earth. He is in our midst, with us, ever-present. The one who created a hundred billion trillion stars and a few trillion galaxies, he is in our midst. Let me read that psalm again from Eugene Peterson's message. God is a safe place to hide. (laughs) ready to help when we need him. We stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom, courageous in sea storm and earthquake, before the rush and roar of the oceans, the tremors that shift mountains. Jacob wrestling God fights for us. God of angel armies protects us. River mountains splash joy, cooling God's city, this sacred haunt of the Most High. God lives here. The streets are safe. God at your service from crack of dawn. Godless nations rant and rave, kings and kingdoms threaten, but earth does anything that he says. Jacob, wrestling God, fights for us. God of angel armies protects us. Attention all. See the marvels of God. He plants flowers and trees all over the earth, bands war from pole to pole, breaks all the weapons across his knees, step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. Jacob wrestling God fights for us. God of angel army, armies protects us. Let me pray for you. Father, I can't get away from those words in Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Let your hands grow slack. Let us stop our striving, our cease trying to gain and grasp what what we can't gain or hold on to, be still, surrender, and know, yada, know experientially and and intimately, know um, by experience, know your your closeness in the midst of the mess, in, in the good and the hard. Jacob wrestling God fights for us. Be still and know that you are God. You are God. Let us see all the marvels of God. Let, let, us, let us know this uh, amazing creator, God, that fights for us, that protects us. God, I, I pray for any one of us that are striving in places we shouldn't strive and that, that we would cease our striving, that, that we would be still, that we would surrender. What, whatever it is, God, whatever you bring to mind that we need to surrender, whether it seems big or small, God, we surrender to you. Because we want to know you. We want to know who you are. We, we want to be um, with you. So thank you for pouring your spirit out upon us. Be still. We will be still and know that you are God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.